Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. What's good, y'all? Welcome to In the Deep, a deep league-focused fantasy baseball podcast. My name is Jordan White, and I'm joined once again this week by my good friend Christopher Weber. Schwebzy, how's it going tonight? Hi, friends. It's going good. So we are currently speaking to you all listening to the podcast and also to our Twitch chat right now because we are doing it live. We are simultaneously recording and broadcasting for the first time ever. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so it's been uh, pretty interesting. Everyone kind of got a taste of how Schwebs and I prepare for the podcast, which is a hectic and very, I would say, slow going process. We usually uh, procrastinate just a little bit too much. This is a little a peek behind the scenes, a little a little look behind the curtain of the guy uh, controlling the Wizard of Oz. So, uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been an interesting first stream, but it's been really, really fun interacting with everyone. We had a lot of people, a lot more people show up than I honestly expected. So thank you to everyone that was in the chat. Glass Cobra, Ben Brown, uh, Nick Pollock at PitcherList of at PitcherList stopping in as well. Uh, Willie Dub Dub, Unforgettable Fire, and then also Jay Hook. Just like everyone that stopped by. Thank you so much. Uh, and also, if you want to join us, uh, we're going to be doing this pretty much every Sunday night starting around 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time. Uh, at twitch.tv backslash Schwebzies. So that's Schwebzies channel. Uh, again, Schwebzies spelled S-H-W-E-B-S-I. Imagine forgetting Yancey Eaton. Oh my God, I forgot Yancey. Imagine oh, the audacity. He's going he's gonna to destroy <laughs> me. Sorry, I feel I just, so bad. This is just to get myself oh, no. brownie, brownie points in Yancey's book. I have a lot of I have a lot of uh, brown nosing to do to make up for for this uh, transgression against one Yancey Eden. Sorry, Yance, I apologize. I love you, buddy. Uh, yeah, so we're gonna be doing that. Also, uh, just at the top of the show, make sure that if you are listening to us on a platform that allows you to leave reviews uh, or leave ratings, please leave us a rating and review and let us know that you like the show. Or if you want, just let us know how we can improve. Obviously, you can also shoot into the Twitch chat on Sunday nights if you'd like to do that as well. Give us some firsthand uh, feedback. We would love that. Anyways, Schwebs, let's talk about uh, some recent news here. Mostly just like the news that's been happening over the past few days has been we're finally starting to see some call-ups after that service time manipulation period plus uh, just need-based call-ups for some teams in the league and someone that I am super duper happy about that finally got called up. Nico Horner, baby. Are you Nico a, Horner? You're a Nico, you're a Nico Horner fan. I had no one idea. Could, one could say that I'm a Nico Horner fan. Um, I'm so happy that this finally happened. Obviously I, I was very upset that he was held back in the first place, but finally someone to replace, uh, Eric Sogard, who probably <laughs> shouldn't have been there in the first place. Uh, 
the less Sogard I have to see, the better, personally. Do so that's not, really, really Do we great. not like him? Not, not, not Sogard. Yeah, not great. Not great. Uh, so obviously, I'm just going to lead it off by saying defense means almost nothing in terms of fantasy. Like, obviously, when I talk about defense, it's not going to mean a lot, except in the context of how much position players are going to be sticking in lineups and actually getting to hit. So I do have to talk about the one really cool play that he made today. So there was a fly ball in the shallow right field that uh, was hit by Avasil Garcia. Uh, Omar Narvaez was on first when they were playing the Brewers today. And Garcia did not hustle out of the box. Nico Horner let that fly ball, because there was no infield fly rule in effect, drop, waiting for Narvaez to take off for second, threw to first, got the force out, and then got Narvaez caught in a rundown. Just like super heads up play. So just stuff like that is a reminder, like this dude's like gold glove caliber when it comes to playing defense. And that's going to play into him getting more playing time, hopefully down the line here. Leading us to a relevant part, which is obviously his bat. So he's only played four games so far, already showing a ton of improvement. And he already logged a max EV of 104 in his first four games with three doubles, which is exactly how I expected him to look. He looks so much better offensively than he did in 2020. He looks way more comfortable at the plate. Again, as you know, if you've listened to the podcast before, he's still one of my favorite breakout picks for this year. So for me, he's an auto ad in every single league that has 12 teams or more. 10 team, it's borderline maybe at this point, depending on how deep your benches are. But 12 team or more leagues, I definitely recommend adding Nico Horner, especially on something like, I believe on Autonew, he's second base shortstop and third base eligible. So uh, eligibility will vary from site to site, but definitely keep an eye out for Nico Horner and snag him if you can. So are you talking like a 12-team league with just second base and shortstop or like middle yes. field? Yeah, I think, that he's, I think that he's a great bench bat and I think that he's going to be someone that you'll probably be comfortable, maybe not, maybe not necessarily setting and forgetting, but is someone that can slot in, especially if he's got the multi-eligibility. Whether it's like you need to cover an off day or an injury, he's got that versatility. Also, he got some time in left field in one of his games already. So if they're going to throw him all over the place and let him get eligibility in outfield too, it becomes even more valuable, which is pretty great. Uh, yeah, I mean, in my auto new league, I drafted him knowing that he wasn't going to be up right away and hung on to him this entire time. And now I'm hopefully going to be reaping the benefits. Uh, he's hitting, I think he hit like four for nine with the three doubles and then three RBIs so far since his call up. Um, yeah, he's great. I think that he's going to be, he's going to show market improvement over last year. Yeah. Like you mentioned the defense and how it doesn't matter to fantasy, but it does in a way because good defense keeps you on the field. Look at Colton Wong. Colton Wong's not a great hitter, but he's been in the lineup regularly every day forever because he's a gold glove defender. Like that's, that might wind up being a good comp for Nico Horner. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is like, uh, not going to necessarily hit for a ton of power, although he has unlocked more with that stance change that we spoke yep. about a ton in preseason episode when we brought him up. Uh, and again, max exit velo of 104 already. He has time to improve on that. Uh, with the three doubles, he's obviously putting enough on the ball to get it into the gaps. So super happy that he's finally getting his opportunity and getting the call. Uh, someone else that got the call here, Alex Kirilov. As well, Schwebs, did you get to catch any of Kirilov's games early on here? He's kind of been a little bit iffy at the plate. I don't even know if he has a hit yet, honestly. Yeah, he hasn't been super impressive so far, but it's uh, like I don't think you you need like you don't need to be a monster in your first three, four, or five games in the majors. Exactly. 
like we we've all like everyone's heard the story over and over again about how even Mike Trout scuffled in his first go round in the majors. Like the twins brought up Kirilov for the first time ever in the playoffs last year. Like that's yeah. how strongly they feel about his bat and his approach and his ability to, you know, cope with the major leagues. I'm not super concerned yet. Like yeah. I, I think he should be picked up in pretty much any league, at least on the bench, just to see, because if he does play up to his potential, he's, you know, he's a 30 home run bat, you know, with a decent batting average. Like, I, I, I think it's the kind of bat that is going to wind up being owned in every league if, you know, if it pans out. Yeah, the power numbers are going to be good. And like, I think most places project him to be anywhere from like a 260 to 280 average guy, something like that. So he's definitely not going to hurt you in that department either. Um, the nice thing too, is that he's also batting in a nice spot in the lineup. I think he's been fifth in the lineup each time he started so far. So they're trusting him with like a solid spot in the lineup where he can hopefully accrue a decent amount of RBIs, at least obviously fifth, you may not score as many runs cause you're trending towards the bottom of the lineup there with the people behind you. But, um, a good chance to accumulate some of those counting stats, which is all we can really ask for, especially for a rookie like this. And if he gets the stick going, which I fully expect him to at some point, once he gets his bearings and gets his sea legs under him, he should be a really solid pickup. Uh, I don't know what his ownership numbers are currently off the top of my head. I'm sure that they're pretty high, obviously, because there was some hype on him going into the season anyways, but still someone that we thought we should mention. Uh, The last person... Or sorry, second to last person that we wanted to. Oh no, third to last person. I can't. I can't count. Uh, another person, Spencer Howard, also got the call. Uh, Schwebzy, this is one that you were pretty high on talking about previously too. Do you want? Uh, do you want to offer a little insight on Spencer Howard? Someone that I wrote in the notes uh, before the show as being Spencer Bradley for some reason. I don't know where that name came from. Elite MLB prospect Spencer Bradley that no everyone that knows is. about. <laughs> that I don't think that person exists in the major leagues. No, but very much not. Anyway, Spencer Howard, on the other hand, uh, former elite prospect, current elite prospect, I guess. Yeah, I don't think he's eclipsed his uh, minor league eligibility yet. No. So he's relegated to the bullpen for now, and mm-hmm. I'm a little bit concerned about what what his production is going to be like until that situation changes, because. It, he's it's been on the record like he has said that he kind of struggled warming up and getting ready for those relief appearances he might be one of those players that needs the routine of being a starting pitcher in order to you know get get his game face on and and mm-hmm. have his body right for his games he pitched today he didn't look very good uh i i, I i'm really just hoping that this the this well for for both selfish reasons and you know for spencer howard i i kind of hope the rotation situation in philadelphia gets dire enough that they do the smart thing and just get howard into the rotation even if it's only for four inning stints like it really really feels like the best spot for him is going to be in that rotation for sure um I'm wondering how long it's going to take him because I think eventually he will get that starting spot, right? I I just don't know how long it's going to take for him to get built up to that starter workload. I don't know what they were doing with him at the alternate site if they were having him uh, work as a starter or as a reliever. Um, So I'm not totally sure what his conditioning is, but I do hope that he works into that starter 
uh, spot at some point. Cause I really think the back end of that rotation is just very unspectacular and it's only a matter of time until he gets the opportunity. Um, let's see here. Moving uh, on. The, oh, sorry. The Mets fan, the Mets fan in me would love for Matt Moore to star more games, but uh, <laughs> I, I think it is in Spencer Howard's best interest for Spencer Howard to get in that rotation. Yeah, and uh, sure. there is, there is one more player that I want to bring up here that we did not put in the notes who started today for the first time this year, Luis Patino for the Tampa Bay Rays. Yes. He looked really good. Did he? He looked oh, really, really oh, good. I cannot believe I did not watch that game. I totally missed yeah. that. So he, uh, it, it's his first action of the year. He started, he, he acted as an opener for the Rays today against Toronto. He pitched 2.2 innings, struck out three, walked one, did not allow any hits. This no is, I, I, oh. so it's the Rays. So it's going to be really hard to suss out the kind of usage patterns that they're going to have for Patino. But if you have the spot on your roster and you, you know, he's just one of the better speculative pitching ads that I can think of right now. He's owned basically nowhere. Um, yeah, I, the, the upside is so high. He's like, he is a top 25 prospect in all the baseball. He's like 21 and he's got a few legitimate pitches. Uh, I'm, I'm really high on Patino this year. I know we, I, I made sure that we got him in our uh, startup dynasty league this year. I'm a, I'm a very big fan. Did we actually get him in our starting lineup? For today? Uh, Do you remember? No, I'm, I'm not that on the ball. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, next person that we're going to talk about before the aside about Patino, which I'm glad that you got to because that was a really important one to hit. Uh, Chris Rodriguez. Let's circle back to him. This is someone that you were really high on, Schwebs. Talk a little bit about the kind of update that we got today from Joe Madden. Yeah. So Chris Rodriguez continues to throw multi-inning outings. Uh, we've talked about him here before. And uh, I, I still love that the first time I brought him up, we got a nice who from Jordan because that that means we're doing our jobs here. That means we're, yes. we're digging deep enough that it's players that we're not aware of. So uh, previously, Joe Madden has stated that he viewed Rodriguez as a reliever, but he's changed his tune. Uh, Joe Madden has now stated that C-Rod has what it takes to eventually move into a starting role specifically citing his changeup, which was a little weird to me because his changeup has not been good this year so far. He's only thrown it like a handful of times It's and it's only been put into play once and it was for a hit. Uh, it doesn't seem to be a very good pitch right now. He's basically a two-pitch pitcher, but those are good quotes because we would love to see Chris Rodriguez get more innings because he's, as I mentioned in previous episodes, he's got like a really, really heavy sinker and he's got a curveball that misses bats. That's a really great combination because it means he can get whiffs with the one pitch and he can get easy outs with the other. So uh, I'm really excited to see if Chris Rodriguez's arm can hold up to a heavier workload. And I'm really, really hoping that the Angels will give him that workload. I've got Chris Rodriguez myself in a couple of leagues where I'm stashing him and hoping for a bigger workload. I just leave him in my starting lineup uh, in daily leagues in hopes that he gets one of his, you know, multi-inning appearances. I think he's a nice little, uh, uh, like a supplemental piece, like Wandy, uh, not Wandy, 
Freddie, <laughs> Freddie Peralta. Freddie Peralta last year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Or I Brent, mean, Brent Suter this year. Exactly. Well, Brent Suter is like one of my favorite, just like as far as like being a person, is one of my favorite pitchers in the league. Just super cool dude. Uh, but yeah, there's, I think there's some value. I mean, uh, there's a lot of guys that we thought that were going to be this, like Freddie Peralta this year before we found out he was making the rotation with someone like that who was going to get a ton of innings. Alex Reyes, who was going to be both closer and get a ton of innings this year because they were trying to plan on building him up. Guys like that are super valuable, especially if they put up good ratios. So someone like Chris Rodriguez, C-Rod, as we're affectionately calling him now. Crod. Because we, we, we want to bring that back. Um, have value, especially in your deeper leagues, like if, whether it's AL only or if it's like a 15 plus teamer. Guys that are going to get that volume are super duper valuable. So I really hope that we see more from him. And obviously getting into that starter workload, I, I can honestly see down the line them moving away from having Shohei really pitch very much at all. Like I would love to have oh. Shohei like win like 15 games and hit 40 bombs. Nothing would make me more happy. But the less that Shohei pitches, I think that provides more opportunity for C-Rod to pitch, which I think I, mean, I also I, really want to see. Uh. I, I think Occam's razor right now says that uh, Jose Quintana is not good and would be the odd man out. Oh, I hope so. I mean, that that would be the ideal situation. But I also see as the season goes on, if they feel like, because I know that the whole plan was to have uh, Shohei pitch every fifth or sixth start or whatever it was supposed to be just like normally, instead of having him set up every Sunday, like he was last year or the year before. Um but I could see them moving away from that as the season goes on to hopefully save him a little bit of uh, a little bit of stress. But yeah, I mean, between Quintana, Cobb, and Canning, like I feel like someone's going to wind up flaming out there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he'll get his opportunity at some point. We know that it's coming, and I think a message like this out, like outwardly to the public, signifies that as well. So definitely a good call out on your part, Schwebs. Reaping uh, reaping the benefits of this already. The last person in this little area that we want to talk about as far as call-ups. Someone that I was going to talk about last week and Schwebzy 100% talked me out of, which I am still salty about. Because I'm good at my job. <sighs> we had so many people to talk about last week and we wanted to make sure that we didn't go super long. Because like the last episode previous, before last week's, was almost an hour and a half long. We wanted to make sure that we didn't subject you to that because we know that you do like hearing some of this information, but that was a lot. So we tried to dial it back a little bit and then I cut, well, sorry, Schwabzi had me cut Adelise Garcia. So let's talk about him. What happened? Well, in that first week, he went like five for 25 with one home run. He looked like halfway decent. He was hitting in a solid spot in the lineup. What does he do his second week? Oh, just hits fourth in the lineup again, hitting cleanup and hits four home runs over the course of the week. Dude is absolutely killing it and has been making his case for keeping a spot in that outfielder, at least in that lineup every single day. He's done a great job batting in that four spot for Texas and it's a pretty unexceptional lineup. So I have no reason to think that he won't stick there. And I feel like it's time for people to ride this out as long as they can. He's also got some speed and could provide some stolen base value too, in theory. So I don't know. Uh, someone that I was pretty high on going into last week, didn't get a chance to talk about now is hopefully still on the waiver wire for most of you out there to get, if you weren't going to pull the trigger after last week, now is the time to do it. Yeah. I, I am full of regret. Uh, I, we're, we're seeing a trend <laughs> here 
we're, we're, we're definitely seeing a trend here where every time I'm uh, per- particularly violent towards Jordan's picks, they're really, really good. Let's, let's count here. Let's count here. Okay. So Adelise Garcia, which I didn't get to talk about last week. Uh, let's talk about Jake Arietta, who has been twirling so far this year. He's been really good for the most part. Unreal. Uh, I, I don't know why. I, I mean, part of that was me just saying that I wanted to stream him for his like first start and that's pretty much it. But he actually yeah, has been genuinely very good so far this year. Uh, Jacob Junis, last start. Not very good, but he's got, what is it? He's got Pittsburgh, and then I can't remember his next start after that. Uh, he's got two another two really, really good matchups coming up, so I'm going to stream him for another two starts right there and just let it fly. Um, this is the section where we say why Jordan is good and Trebzy is bad. <laughs> That's not true. We just have different tastes. And My I tastes just d- happen to be in not good players. Yeah. Well, I also, okay, t- to a certain extent, this is also luck. We know this. We know this to be true. Uh, but I'll have a hot streak at some point. Maybe. You're going to go on a heater at some point. Also, speaking of like heaters, both the guys that we had in our board bet about between JD Davis and Austin Riley. So I took the side of Austin Riley and Schwabs took the side of JD Davis. Both of them are playing really, really well right now. JD Davis is better though. See, I think what happened is that once J.D. Davis came back and actually started playing again, Austin Riley knew that he had to kick it into high gear to make sure that he had uh, had had back me up. It was really nice of Austin Riley to like scale it back a little bit while J.D. was hurt. He was trying to keep things fair for you, Schwartz. Yeah, I it's all to entertain that. us. Thanks, Thanks Austin yeah. Riley. All right. Uh, moving on from that, let's take a second to talk about a few more people that we touched on in previous episodes that we kind of wanted to highlight in terms of offense. First and foremost, uh, our beloved best boy, Bobby K. Dingers, uh, Bobby Dalbeck, currently owned in 19% of Yahoo and ESPN leagues aggregated. Now, it's worth noting here that he is owned in over 20% of Yahoo leagues, and our threshold is usually 20%. Uh, but between the two, he just sneaks underneath. Um, lots of people are dropping Dahlbeck because he hasn't performed. Obviously, he hit the absolute crap out of the ball in spring training, had a ton of home runs, but hasn't had any so far this year. Schwebs, why shouldn't we give up on Bobby Dahlbeck? So we 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 were looking at his barrels earlier and like because one of the things that jumped out was like hey his barrel rate's really high and generally like you see home runs when you see barrels but we saw six barrels and zero home runs and that was Mm -hmm. weird so then we looked at each barrel and it was like oh he's like killing the ball but it's kind of he's kind of being robbed by fenway because center field and right center are stupid deep in Fenway. There was one particular barrel that hit like the tippy top of like the furthest point of the monster. It was just like some of it's bad luck. Some of it is park dimensions, but a couple things here, like he hits the ball really hard to all fields. He only has to play half of his games at Fenway. There, there are plenty of reasons why this won't continue. I do think he will continue to hit barrels and I don't think they're going to keep not going over the fence and his X stats agree. Like his X Woba is like a hundred points higher than his actual Woba. He's wildly, honestly, yeah, he's wildly underperformed like what his batted ball data shows so far. So, you know, there, obviously there can be noise there in small samples, 
especially when guys strike out as much as Bobby Dalbeck does. But I, I think we've actually seen what was advertised. Like this, this is what Bobby Dalbeck is. He strikes out a lot. He hits the ball hard. It just so happens that the ball he's hit hard so far have gone to inopportune places. So right now he's Bobby K doubles instead of Bobby K dingers. I, I think that's gonna that's gonna turn around. I'm, I feel I feel pretty good about saying that. Yeah, of course, all the K is standing for all the strikeouts. He's still striking out at an exorbitant rate. Like that's never gonna change. That's kind of his game. His whiff rate is really high. His K rate's gonna be really really high. But when he runs into balls, he hits them very hard, and he does hit a lot of balls to center and right center field. And again, like Schweb said, in Fenway, that just happens to be like one of the absolute worst places to hit your hard hit balls. So. I think that it's going to balance out eventually. I, re- I remember saying we were looking at like the expected home runs uh, compare it and you can compare it to, on baseball savant to each park. And there was a lot of stadiums in which he would already have like three home runs from what I understand. And I, I have a feeling he would be dropped in a, a many fewer leagues if he had three home runs instead of zero. Yeah, because most people are going to look at the surface data and feel like, OK, he's just doing bad, especially when you look at the K rate combined with that. Right. But that's known. That's something that's known about him at this point. That's something that's a characteristic that everyone is clearly aware of. Uh, take this opportunity to pick him up if you can in a deeper league, like an AL only league or if you have like a 15 team league, if you need a corner infielder, this is a guy that's going to get his counting stats. It's just a matter of time. If he continues barreling up the ball, it's going to work. So make sure that you grab Bobby, our beautiful boy, if you can. Uh, moving on to a couple other guys that Schweb's hit on pretty heavily in earlier episodes, both Michael Franco and Starlin Castro. Schweb's, let's just do a quick hit here on both of them and let me know why people should be zeroing in harder on these two. I feel like a broken record at this point. Uh insert Bernie Sanders meme here. I am once again telling you to pick up Michael Franco and Starlin Castro. Wait, wait, sorry. Do it. Oh, oh, we're going to, yes, please. I am once again telling you to pick up both Michael Franco and Starlin Castro for your fantasy baseball teams, especially in your deep leagues. That was beautiful. I love it. Okay. That that was was perfect. Please do not cut that. So (laughs) yes, Michael Franco and Starlin Castro. The the reasoning the reasons to pick them up have not changed. They are mediocre to good veterans. Yeah. They have everyday lineup spots. Michael Franco hit another home run today. Uh, he's got like what like I think he's got like seventeen RBIs in twenty two games or something. Like he's yeah. going insane. He's got a great lineup spot. He's in there every day. I am shocked that he's still owned in so few leagues. It's you know it's because he's never going to be hitting like three fifty and like blow people's minds. He's just going to keep hitting two fifty, two sixty forever, and I, I guess not yeah. blow anyone away and just stay on the waiver wire. Don't don't be that person that ignores the valuable counting stats that he provides. And uh, Starling Castro, my enthusiasm is waning a little bit uh, because the whole reason that I was so excited about him is because he was trying to do that launch angle. And he appears to not be doing that launch angle right now. Yeah. Uh, But he has purposefully made this change in the past. So he's aware that it's something he should be doing and he's made the change to do it before. So I have some confidence that he can go back to that style of hitting that worked for him previously. But I want to see it. 
and he's not doing it right now. So, I mean, I still think he's should be picked up because if he does get back to hitting the ball in the air, he becomes a very valuable player again instead of just an accumulator, which is what he is right now. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm still not totally sold on Castro. Um, Franco, on the other hand, again, still, like you said, premier spot in the lineup. He's going to aggregate and get those stats regardless. And again, and like you said, he's going to hit between 240 and 260 or whatever it may be. That's fine. That's totally fine, especially in the really, really deep leagues. Like, I'm fine snagging a bat like that because I feel like, especially playing in Camden Yards, he's likely to get more of those counting stats. So, I mean, definitely higher on Franco than Castro personally, but uh, both worth keeping an eye on. In your AL or NL only leagues, it's worth probably keeping an eye on both of those or picking both of them up. Uh, moving on to our last guy here that we wanted to touch on real quick. Someone that's back from injury and is back in the lineup because we really haven't seen him good for a very long time. Willie Ca- or Willie Calhoun, not Willie Castro, excuse me. Uh, Willie Calhoun, Schwebs, let's talk about Willie Calhoun a little bit. I'm actually glad you said Willie Castro because he has dropped under the 20% threshold and is actually like, I think he's worth a pickup too. I don't think he's nearly as bad as he has shown. So nice, nice slip there because it it worked. But uh, Willie Calhoun. So he's owned in 2% of leagues, which is basically nowhere. Uh, This one is a little bit of a leap of faith because we haven't really seen the good version of Willie Calhoun for like 18 months now because his whole thing was that he was really, really good in the second half of 2019. He hit like 21 home runs in 80 games, which is a phenomenal rate. But I've mentioned before here, like I'm always a little bit iffy when it comes to breakout power seasons that happened in 2019, because we all know about that super bounce ball. But Calhoun does have power and he does have bat to ball skills. So he he is in my second favorite archetype of player, the first of which is large boys that hit the ball far. Willie Calhoun is a small boy that hits the ball far because he is like five, he's like five foot eight. He's a little bowling ball of a person. He's a little guy, yeah. He's five eight, two hundred, something like that. And uh, but he uh, he can really really uh, get into a baseball and hit it a long way. So I'm I'm a fan. I I think there's power here. He's on a team that's not that good. Although they are kind of deep and interesting outfielders right now, so there there is some playing time risk here if he scuffles. I do like Willie Calhoun as like a uh, an upside power play because uh, on top of being able to hit the ball a long way, he does have those bat to ball skills. I think he can hit for you know a, a, a well above league average batting average. For sure, yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know what leagues I would actually want to roster him in. Um, I was a person that had him in an auto new league last year, hoping that he would show some semblance of what he was in 2019 and was bitten really hard. So maybe that's why I'm so hesitant with Calhoun. What kind of leagues would you be aiming for Calhoun and Schwebs? I think uh, any anything that's like five outfielder and 12 teams or more, I, I'd consider it. Okay, I can dig that. Like I, I've actually, I have him in a league where he's currently utility only. Like I don't, oh, I'm, I'm yeah. actually, so if he's utility only, I think that makes him a much harder add. So I, I'm, I'm, I, I should have done more research into this to see where he's eligible in, in what leagues, but, uh, you know, he, if he's utility only, I probably wait until he gets extra eligibility or, 
you know, uh, until we see some more out of him instead of picking him up purely as speculation. Yeah, so I'm looking at it here, and on ESPN, he's DH only, so I would try to probably avoid him on any ESPN leagues. Uh, Yahoo, he is eligible in left field, and then CBS also DH, so avoid him there as well. Um, of course, I Yahoo. think that I think that in like auto new leagues, and then I'm not sure what the status is in uh, like TGFB or like uh, NFBC leagues or anything like that. Uh, but in auto new, he still has all of his eligibilities from 2019 because those carried over, which is why he still has them in Yahoo as well. If yeah, I remember so correctly, he he played eight games in the outfield out of like the 30 games he played in 2020. So yeah. he is going to play in the outfield. He will pick up that eligibility at some point. It's only probably. And that might be the time to make the ad too, is obviously if he's approaching that point where he reaches that threshold, then he becomes much more uh, usable and much more. Uh, what is the word I'm looking for? I can't think of it. Uh, Good. Useful. <laughs> there it was not usable useful at that point i know all the words i know very many words i know all the words i'm very good at the words all right um with that we're going to talk about some pictures in a second but before that a word from our sponsor and we're back thank you very much uh okay. now moving on to some pictures here let's talk about some pictures that we like a decent amount in terms of some streaming picks coming up so we both wrote up a few here. Let's start with Cole Irvin. So Cole Irvin is only owning about 7% of leagues combined between Yahoo and ESPN. So he's still going to be out there in almost every single league. Uh, upcoming matchups, he's facing Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay, and then Toronto and Tampa Bay once again, both at home. His first two outings this year for the A's, and like everyone knows how bad the beginning of the A's season was, and that's what Irvin's starts mirrored as well. He went a combined 9.1 innings in his first two starts with eight earned runs. But his bounce back in his last two outings going a combined 11.1 innings and having 12 strikeouts to one walk in those two wins for him. So really, really good bounce back. And we're trying to figure out, okay, why did he find that success more so than in his first two starts? It's because he was leaning into his both of his fastball, his sinker and his four-seamer and his changeup as a go-to secondary pitch rather than his slider, which was used almost 30% of the time in his first two starts, and he dropped that usage all the way down to 7.5% in his second two starts. So he upped his uh, changeup usage from about 15% to 20% and relied on that as his biggest secondary and then just leaned on sinker four-seamer aside from that. And it's worked for him really well, obviously. Uh, The changeup especially has had some really good peripherals. The CSW was 44% in his last start, and he had a 56% whiff rate on it, which is pretty solid. And then the combination of his uh, four-seamer and sinker had a combined CSW of 29%. So he was getting a decent amount of strikes on that as well. As long as he can keep that up, I think I would feel fine streaming him in almost all of these games. Maybe not Toronto, but... Both games against Tampa Bay being kind of a middling offense, I feel like I'd be okay streaming him in both of those matchups, feeling like that A's offense is going to give him some run support and hopefully get you a win. Dude, Oakland loves nothing more than taking these unknown guys with like kind of middling stuff and turning them into good pitchers. Yeah. Sup, Mike Fires and Sup, Sean Mania. Botha alert on Mike Fires. That's a both. That's a Brewer's old friend alert for those who are uninitiated. 
Yeah, uh, Cole, Cole Urban, or uh, more popularly known as the guy keeping Dalton Jeffries down. <laughs> yeah, that's frustrating a little bit, but I mean, but he's he's basically doing what we hoped Dalton Jeffries would have done. It's true. That that is absolutely correct. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would feel fine throwing Cole Urban out there. I gotta. I actually made the mistake. I didn't think about that while we were doing TGFBI bids tonight for Fab. I don't. I don't think anyone actually owned Cole Irvin, and I should have picked him up. Because I definitely had some droppable names on my bench, but is what it is. Uh, Forget, but yeah, we're gonna have to, we need to get into the habit of actually doing our 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 fab like before. Yeah, not in the midst of like researching our episode and doing everything like that. See, if you were here for the Twitch stream, which is probably the best form of entertainment that we provide, to be completely honest, uh, you would have been able to see the moment of like, oh crap, we only have 45 minutes to come up with our TGFBI fab the- bids. The havoc, <laughs> but the panic. Yeah. Someone else that I was thinking about grabbing with a TGFBI fab bid was Spencer Turnbull. Uh, so looking at it here, Turnbull had his first start this past week in his return and did pretty decent. He K'd six and walked two through five innings. So his command was like pretty decent. Big news here. His sinker is still not that good. Big shock to everyone that has watched Spencer Turnbull pitch before. Uh, but his slider was pretty solid in this start. He ended up getting, I think it was a, I think he had like a 44% CSW on his uh, slider in this last start, which which was pretty good. Um, so that was really, really, or no, yeah, 48% CSW on his slider. There it is. Uh, so that was really, really encouraging. And a 29% CSW overall for the start, which is okay. We want, we want to see a little bit better than that. But overall, like not a bad showing for Turnbull from, the perspective of this was his first start back. His next three games are at the White Sox and then at the Yankees and then in Minnesota at home. I don't necessarily feel super comfortable streaming him in any of these situations. I'm in danger. Yes, this is this is definitely... Uh, oh, God, what is... Nick's going to be mad at me because I don't know the kid's name from The Simpsons. Who Ralph is Wiggum. Any, Ralph Wiggum. Known uh, and famous Simpsons character, Ralph Wiggum, <laughs> that I very much knew the name of. Sorry, Nick. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty heavily avoiding Turnbull for these next three starts. We can revisit him down the line is pretty much how I feel right now. You might even still be able to fade him for the time being and save the roster spot because he might just sit on the wire until he gets some better matchups. Um I probably only would snag him in like my deeper AL only leagues and then an occasional like 15 plus team league. Don't reach for him in any other leagues yet until he proves otherwise. I just really don't think it's worth the time. I'm not picking him up in any leagues that I can't stash him on my bench for the next two weeks. Like I literally, Minimum, I, yeah. I had the opportunity to pick him up for like a dollar in my AL only league and I opted to not do that. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, we, we've only, we only looked at about three starts out for each of these starting pitchers so far. Um, I don't, I, I think I'm in the same boat as Schwebs. I'm going to wait at least two weeks before I try to make a move on him. It's it's just not worth it. And he might not even have good matchups at that point either. Right. And like, you might be wondering like, if it's so bad, why are we talking about him? It's because he's, he's back from his injury and you need to know about it because when he has good matchups, he's absolutely worth a pickup. So this is probably going to be a person that we talk about in like, 
I don't know, two episodes from now, if, if the schedule clears up a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. This is someone that, I mean, he's shown flashes of brilliance, especially when he's leaned away from throwing that sinker so much. Lost uh, that sinker. Uh, just get rid of it, please. <laughs> just, just scrap just it. Or just it. throw it less. Just throw it less, please. But anyways, uh, moving on, let's talk about John Gant. This is... Okay, this is mostly just a call out because he has a like on the surface level, his numbers look okay right now. Like he's got a decent ERA uh and has some good matchups coming up. So his next 3 games in theory should be at home in Bush because he's pitcher for the Cardinals against Philadelphia, the Mets, and Colorado. So I think that these are actually even like listed in order of like difficulty level from highest to lowest as well. Would that be fair to say? How dare you? I, I'm just saying the Mets offense no. is notoriously bad it's, at scoring it's, runs. It, it's, it's been really rough to start the year. Very up and down. It's true. Um, and again, Bush stadium is a pitcher's park. So this might be a reason to kind of throw him in there. I might, if I chose to stream him in these three games, I would potentially avoid Philly, probably avoid Philly, honestly. And then I'd lean towards starting him a little bit more against the Mets, but I would especially throw him up against the Rockies because I mean, the reverse Coors effect of them leaving their home park would give him a pretty decent bump, I think. But, 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 but I looked a little bit deeper and it really, really worries me. Because his K to base base on ball ratio is 18 to 13. So he's at 18 strikeouts and 13 walks. When you walk that many batters, it's going to take a huge hit on your whip. And it's a blow up waiting to happen. Like it's one long ball away from having a start that's either one earned run or four or five earned runs. It's very easily to just get blown up by that. Also, he pretty much relies on one pitch to get him out, and that's going to be that slider. So it was really, really good in his last start. Like He had a 57% CSW on his slider in his last start, which is nuts, and also a 71% whiff rate. It's massive. So he's got a really, really good secondary offering, but beyond that, everything that he throws is just super middling to poor. Um, For me, while... You might look at this through rose-colored glasses because he's got that decent ERA and it seems like he pitches in a really good pitcher's park. I would probably just say that I... I would say that I can't justify a pickup here and I would try to avoid him. That was really bad. I'm sorry. Boo. Boo. Boo me. Shame this man. (laughs) Shame this man. (sighs) But yeah. So that's uh, pretty much all I have on Gant. Schwebzy, do you have anything to add about Gant or any opinions on him? Uh, I, I mean, the I, I don't think the matchups are great because, like, I I know I know the Mets' offense hasn't performed, but it is still on paper a really great offense, and they could blow up at any time. I I just so it winds up being two offenses in a row that could really go off against him. Yeah. So I'm I'm probably out on him. Totally understandable. Yeah, I mean, Gant is one that I'm definitely not. Yeah, I'm, I'm not taking and a chance on. Like, I mean, you maybe against probably against Colorado, I'd want to stream him in like yeah, a week absolutely. or two. Whenever that start happens, I don't know what the actual date would be for that, but that's the likely matchup that he would have. So, yeah, and like a we week love or a two, rocky road. We do love a rocky road. 
Yeah. So, and oh, I really the, want the thing about <laughs> the oh. the thing about the thing about Gant is that the thing that he's bad at, the Mets are really good at. Like they take a ton of walks, they get on mm-hmm. base, so they might ne- not necessarily be able to drive people home. But it Brandon could be going to sprint to first base like seven <laughs> times that game. But like it could be one of those four inning, two run starts where like he puts up like a two point five whip or something. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it can it can blow up in your face very easily. So yeah, avoid Gant. I don't think that's really a good choice, but he was worth at least talking about because I know that there was some people that were thinking about him as a streamer over the next few weeks because he has a bunch of starts at home. But steer clear. Um, uh, so we got two more to talk about here real quick. We're going to start with Austin Gomber as the second to last one. This is kind of the inverse of Gant, where some of his peripherals didn't look super duper good, but he's had a couple decent starts uh, in his last two. He had some control issues in his first two games, especially in the first game. He went three innings and gave up seven walks to the Dodgers. Not great at yeah. all. Not great, Those Bob. couple starts are going to make him look so bad. Like his walk rate looks so bad for a really long time. Oh, a ton. Super duper bad. But in his last two starts, he went six innings in both and only gave up two walks in each. So that's really not too bad. Like, that's acceptable. Uh, also, two out of his next three matchups, he has one in in San Francisco, which is a pretty decent pitcher's park in theory, or it used to be. Uh, and then also one in St. Louis at Bush Stadium, once again, which plays to Gomber's strength. It's also his former home park of limiting hard contact. And he's like 82nd percentile in... Uh, hard uh, hit rate, oh, yeah. guys. Yeah, there we go. Hard hit rate. Duh. Um, beyond that, after three straight quality starts now with Gomber, I'm fine taking the gamble in just as a streamer in most 12 team mixed leagues. And then also in 15 plus team leagues and NL only leagues, as long as he's not at home, that's pretty much what the rule is here. Cause we don't like playing starting pitchers and cores, especially streamers that are borderline. Um, the K's are never going to be exceptional, obviously, but it's someone that as long as he can maintain this level of control that he has and he can limit the walks, I think that he's going to be able to provide some decent ratios in terms of like ERA and whips. So that's probably where he'll help you most. Yeah. Cause uh, uh, he's really good at keeping the ball in the ballpark, but that's not exactly what Colorado is like really bad at the, the ballpark course. Like it's the massive outfield that leads to the offense there more than anything. The thin air certainly doesn't help but it's really like this. It's the base hits, the extra base hits that really yeah. lead to the increased offense in Colorado. So Gomber's strength might not necessarily be a strength in cores. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much all we have on Gomber. Let's move on to the very last person who I'm very excited for Shubsy to talk about because it's the bane of his existence. One, Chris Flexen, Mr. Steal Your Wife. Uh, Shubsy. Take it away on this one. I'm, I'm going to make you talk about him. Do I have to? You do. This Ugh. is your punishment. Because you made me not talk about Adelise Garcia last week, you have to talk about Chris Flexen this week. Those are the rules. That's fair, but I hate it. <laughs> All right. So I, I generally don't believe in Chris Flexen. But after getting LA, the Angels at home for his next start, he appears to be lined up to face Baltimore and Cleveland at home also in the two following starts, which are really nice matchups. Now, I refuse to say that Chris Flexen has good stuff and that he's a good pitcher, <laughs> but those are very good matchups that I would run out almost any major league starter against. So I want to be incredibly clear here. This is not an endorsement of Chris Flexen as a player or person. He is... <laughs> cruel and he stole my ex-wife but 
this is more of an indictment of the Baltimore and Cleveland lineups. I'm not reading too much into the recent start against Boston. He was throwing a lot of breaking stuff up in the zones and still getting whiffs, which is weird. I don't know. Uh, maybe there's something here because like, so there's been a definite pitch mix change. Like he used to throw his four seamer and cutter like 80% of the time, but now he's throwing four different pitches at least 15% of the time each. And three of them have been good. At least good. Did you just say Chris Flexen was good in some capacity? (laughs) I think the earth has started, has stood still. We're not moving anymore. Time is frozen. We're stuck in the stasis in this moment forever. Where Chris Schwebzy Weber said a good thing about Chris Flexen. Damn it, it slipped through. <laughs> so the the one thing that I will say in his favor is that he is a former Met, so he gets bonus production for being a former Met because all former Mets perform for some reason. So now it's just all former Mets have to succeed because that's what will slowly drive me insane. Now, excuse me while I go scream into a pillow while Jordan sends us out. <laughs> Shoves, he's gone. Uh, with that... Thank you again for joining us on another episode of In the Deep. We appreciate it. Obviously, thank you so much to everyone that joined us before and during the show on Twitch. Shout out to all of you. You were so fun to talk to and hang out with. If you want to join us there, feel free to go to twitch.tv backslash Schwebzi. Again, that's S-H-W-E-B-S-I. If you want to join us there, that'll be around 9 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday nights when we do our prep and record the podcast. Also, wherever you're listening, if they allow either reviews or ratings, please feel free to give us a review or rating and let us know how good of a job we're doing. And don't forget to like and subscribe there as well. Also, if you want to find us on Twitter, you can find us at our join account at InTheDeepPL or individually at Schwebzi. Again, that's S-H-W-E-B-S-I or myself at Bunt Singles. Thanks again for listening. And Schwebzi, send them out. Bye, friends. And good night to everybody except Chris Flexen. <laughs>